just the first part of Psalm 103 that I really feel impressed to read and if you can pull it up on the who's back there on the screen so it says praise the Lord another the translation it says bless the Lord O my soul praise the Lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Church, that's what we're encouraged to do this. To bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. All that is within me. Lord, this morning as a church, we want to bless and praise your name from everything within us we praise your holy name we praise the Lord oh my soul Lord and we do not forget all your benefits all the things that you have done for us how you forgave us our sins God how you healed our diseases God Lord and how you redeemed our lives from the pit of God and the fact that now you crown us with love and compassion and that you satisfy us. You satisfy our desires with good things. Father, I pray this morning as we come into your presence once again, Lord. You satisfy us. You satisfy the longing, those desires of our heart with good things. As we meditate on your word once again, speak to us, quench that thirst, quench that thirst in our hearts, the desire to know you more. We praise you, God, once again. We praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Church, that's such an amazing prayer. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within us, not just our lips, all within us. Bless His holy name. Amen. This morning I want, I've titled my sermon, From Gethsemane to Easter Morning. The subtitle as such is just Lessons from Easter Weekend. Because what I want us to look at this morning is from Thursday evening, basically all the way through Monday morning. I want us to look at the last few hours of Jesus' life and then through the crucifixion and through his resurrection and how this period, these few days, and there are so many lessons that we can learn and how those relate to the different seasons in our own lives. And 
especially the seasons that the disciples and everybody else and Jesus himself had to go through, the seasons of pain and a season of doubt and confusion. Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection teach us how to handle the worst days in our lives too. When you go through those tragedies, you feel that terrible pain in situations. The seasons of doubt and de depression and despair. We can look through this weekend to find answers. Because let me explain. Thursday... Thursday evening, that's when he was really betrayed by Judas. But Thursday and Friday was the day for Jesus. It was a day of pain and suffering and agony all the way till he died. Friday night and Saturday night was this day of loss. But the disciples are so confused and filled with doubt and despair. But Sunday and Monday and all those days after that. With the days of joy and celebration and victory, basically. And the truth is this, in our lives, we will all go through these seasons. Seasons of pain and loss. Seasons of doubt and despair and confusion. But we will also experience the season of joy. And so no matter what season you are going through right now. I want us to look at, I want us to look at this weekend a little more carefully. Again, I'm not trying to be a prophet of gloom and doom, but we will all experience these seasons in some time, some time, in some way, some form or fashion in our own lives. We cannot avoid these seasons. You can't choose when these are going to happen either. But one thing we can do is look to Jesus in the midst of these seasons. And really, even as I reflect on my own life, I know I've been through these seasons. I've been through, and I'm being honest and open here, I've been through seasons of pain. I've gone through seasons of confusion and doubt, and I've asked God, is this really what you want me to do? Because it hurts a lot. If this is your will, why am I struggling right now? But I want us to look through Gethsemane all the way through Easter Monday. Because almost every time that I have gone through a season, doesn't matter what I've gone through. I have learned more and more as I grow older to get into God's word, to look to the word. And look to Jesus and see what he did because he went through the same thing. So let's look at the first part, what I call Gethsemane. The whole idea of Thursday night through Friday, this first part. That's the season of pain, the pain that he went through in that time. It was Jesus experienced pain and I can say pain at the highest level. He experienced physical pain because the Bible tells us he was beaten, he was whipped, he was spat on, he was slapped. They plucked the hair from his beard. They stuck a crown of thorns on his head. 
Yes, he was scourged, and we know scourging is different from just a whipping because it had all those bones and glass and whatever they had that ripped through his flesh, that left those stripes on his back. And of course, the ultimate sign of brutality was nailing him, his hands and his feet, into a cross. Jesus experienced that extreme of physical pain, but it wasn't just physical pain, it was emotional pain too. If you want to say psychological pain too, because death on the cross was the ultimate sign, a symbol of humiliation too. Because how would you like to carry a cross after you've been beaten, to carry a cross all the way through town so that people can see you and mock you? How would you like to be stripped naked and nailed to a cross so that people can just watch you die and say, he saved others, but he can't save himself. As much as it was a physical thing, it was a physical death. It was a death of humiliation, a death by dehumanization, a death of shame. He went through the pain of rejection. He went through the pain of betrayal. And you and I and most of us know what that pain feels like on the inside. And Jesus experienced that pain. But more, more severe, if I can call it, than the physical pain, the emotional pain was the spiritual pain that none of us will ever experience on this side of, of eternity. It was a spiritual pain where Jesus hanging on that cross experienced the sin of every single person upon him. Where he took upon the sin of the past, the present, and the future. He took all that guilt. He took all that shame. He took all that condemnation. And it caused the very separation from God where he cried out, Father, why? Have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we will never understand that pain on this side of eternity. The physical pain, the mental, emotional pain, the spiritual pain, all combined together. And here's the thing. He may not have gone through every situation that you are going through, but he knows what pain really is. He knows what pain really is because he went through it to the extreme. Now you can tell me, you, you can tell me, hey, you don't understand. And the truth is I may never really understand the pain you are going through. But one thing I can say for sure Jesus understands your pain. He understands your pain and he can sympathize with you. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, it says Jesus understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same trials and temptations that we do. Hebrews 2, it tells us Jesus went through suffering and temptation just like us. So that he could help us out basically. That's the purpose he went through it. So what do you do when you're going through your days of pain? When you're going through that Thursday night right up to Friday, what do you do 
What we need to do is what Jesus really did on that last night of his life. And the first thing will kind of surprise you. He reached out to his friends. That's the first thing that Jesus really did on the night that he knew he was going to be arrested and tortured and executed. Probably the next day, the last thing he did on planet earth was what? Gather his closest friends together. Hey, I need you guys to just be here with me. I don't need another sermon. I don't need another speech. I don't need advice. I just need you to be with me. And he said, I need to go pray. And he takes his friends, his closest friends, 11 of them, because Judas is already gone. He takes them to his favorite spot, which is the Garden of Gethsemane as such. And out of these 11, he picks again three that are even closer to him. Or you can say that three out of these friends. These are the people, 11 of them have spent the past three years, three and a half years with him. This is his inner circle, his intimate friends. He takes them in his hour of deepest need, in his hour of greatest pain. He turns to his friends. Hey, come with me. Let's go. I need to pray. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Another translation says, Jesus took his disciples with him to Gethsemane and said, Stay here with me while I pray. Then he took Peter, James and John a little further. He was filled with anguish and deep distress. And he said to them, My heart is so overwhelmed and crushed with sorrow that I feel like I'm dying. Just sit here and watch with me. Then Jesus took a few more steps, fell to the ground and prayed. Spatches in the Bible really startles some of us because even the Son of God needed friends when he went through pain. Jesus needed his friends around him and that is kind of the total opposite of what we do many times. When we are going through some kind of pain or some kind of trouble, what we do is the exact opposite. We withdraw from everybody else. We withdraw from and isolate ourselves. Because we've been hurt so bad. We are embarrassed or maybe ashamed. We don't want to go hang out with people. So we just withdraw. Now it's okay to stop your crazy social life while you pick yourself back together but it is a mistake to pull back from from friends in your moment of pain it is a mistake to do that because God let me say this and let me hear me out when I say this God never meant for you to go through your life on your own whether it be in the good times and especially Especially in the bad times. He never meant for you to go through it alone. He meant for you to share. 
He meant for you to share in my pain and for me to share in your pain. That's why he says, share one another's burdens. That's what he means by that. Because it takes away that burden. And Jesus never sugarcoats. I mean, it's just amazing to see how real, how authentic and how raw Jesus is with his emotions right here. My heart is so overwhelmed. I'm so crushed with sorrow. I think I'm going to die. I feel like I'm dying. He tells them exactly how he feels. My heart is so overwhelmed. When is the last time you have been that gut-wrenchingly honest with someone around you? Or have you just held it all in and sucked it up and pretended that, yeah, I'm fine. I got God with me. God never intended, and I've said this to a lot of people, God never intended for us to suppress pain or bottle it up. Never. God created us to express our pain. And especially, friends, we express our pain. And I'm not talking about complaining all the time. But in your time of distress, you are, you are supposed to go to friends. Share with them. Share with me. I may not understand the total pain, but I can share the pain with you. Again, that's what Galatians says. Carry one another's burdens. Actually, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? What is, when they ask him, what is the greatest law? What did he say? Love your God, but then what? Love your neighbor. You want to show love? Learn to carry one another's burdens. That's real love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And what is the law? It's a command. I am commanded to share your burden. You are commanded to share my burden. That's as real as it gets. So there's no point running away and hiding when you're hurting. We carry each other's burdens and that's the way we are meant to live our Christian life. If you've heard of Elie Weissel, Wiesel, if you haven't heard of him, he's a famous author. He's a Nobel. He won the Nobel Prize for Peace. And what is he famous for? He is actually a, a Holocaust survivor. And his most famous book is called Night. If you have never read it, it's called Night. It's just an amazing book. Anyway, he was held at this concentration camp in Birkenwald. Birkenwald in Germany is like, was the biggest of all these death camps around. Uh, side note, last Tuesday, uh, Blake and me uh, had the privilege of meeting a person called Irvin Roth, and we met with him and we talked with him. Uh, Irvin Roth is also another Holocaust from Auschwitz. He survived Auschwitz, actually, and with his tattoo that the Nazis tattooed on his arm, and we had a chance to hear him, and it was, it was pretty amazing. It was just once-in-a-lifetime kind of moment. And for me, it was special because both my grandfathers uh, were with the British, and they went through, went through Germany after, I mean, they didn't go through D-Day, but after D-Day, uh, my grandfather on my mother's side, he went through there. So it was really special for me to meet someone, and he was talking about how in one moment, it was pretty amazing. He was scheduled to die, to be executed, because they were just killing people because the allies were coming. And he hid underneath the building. And he thought he made it till one of those German shepherd dogs found him out. 
So they had already, and so they dragged him and took him up there, but that guy had already executed everybody else. So they said, okay, we're going to get you tomorrow. Sent him back, but that was the day they were released or whatever. So it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. So it's a once in a moment uh, lifetime. But anyway, back to what Elie Wiesel, who have read some of his books, he's read like 50 something books, but I was, someone asked him, what did you do to get through your darkest days of pain? He said, two things, God and friends. And I thought that was pretty amazing. That's exactly what Jesus does. That's exactly what Jesus does. In the darkest day of his life, he reached out to his friends. He reached out, walk with me. You need to find people who will walk with you through your dark values, who will sit with you through your pain. These are not the ones you hang out with just to gossip about, gossip about everybody else, you know. They're not the ones, these are the friends who won't abandon you when you make a mistake. They are these friends who are not going to just let you go just because they don't want anything to do with you anymore. They are the friends who are going to be with you when it gets rough. Let's be honest, church. We need friends like that. And again, I'm just being... Bearing my heart here. That's the purpose for me. The vision I have for small groups too. Because the pastor can't cover it all. But the point of small groups is that. Not that you can have. Form your cliques and just hang out together. And have a good time. It's to form real relationships. Because that's how we, we get stronger. Last night while I was right around 11.30, 12. While I was finishing up working on my sermon. I had that warning come across my, my, uh, my phone. Warning us for flash floods. And it realized that's exactly what it is. You need your small group is your covering. It's your safety net. Because when that flash flood comes. You need a safety net so that you won't be swept away. And that's the purpose behind small groups for me. That's what we need to do. I have seen and experienced people going through, through such a tremendous tragedy in their lives. And that small group just rallies together right around them. We're a church. We're a small church. We are a big, small group. But as we grow, this is what we need to do. Be there for one another. That's why I encourage you get connected to a small group. Because when you hurt, you will have friends who will stand with you. But friends were not the only thing that Jesus reached out to. Friends are essential, but they can't always be there for you. But there is a God who is always there for you. As much as you need friends, there is a God who will always be there for you. Friends can be there, but you need to understand they've got a life too and they've got to do something. And sometimes they get tired like Jesus' friends and fall asleep. But there is a God who never slumbers nor sleeps. In your day of pain, call out to him. Call out to God because he will never get tired. Reach out to friends, but also please reach out to God. How do you do that? Just pray. That's it. Going through the worst pain in his life, all it says is he went, fell flat on his face and prayed. And he said this, Abba, Father. You don't have to come to God with, oh, gracious and magnificent heavenly father, creator of all heaven and earth. That's all great. But in the moment of pain, just make it real. He is your father. Abba, father, reach out to him in your pain. Abba, father, 
Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Another translation, he says, I know you can do all things. And I don't want to, I don't want to drink from this cup of suffering. Nevertheless, I want your will, not mine, to be done. Church, there's such a clear pattern right here. What Jesus prayed in the time of his deepest pain. You see, and it's a powerful model for us. The first thing he did, he's affirming God's power. What does he say? God, I know you can do all things. You can do anything. That's how he started his prayer. Just an honest conversation with his father. And he says, I know you can do all things. God, I know you can take this pain away from me. You created the whole universe. You created me. And I know you can take this away from me. The second thing he does is express his emotion. Be honest with God. That's all he does. He said, Lord, if possible, take this cup away from me. God, I don't want this pain. That's all he's saying. Express your emotions to God. God, I feel this pain. I don't want to go through this. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to be honest. You don't have to be spiritual every single time and pretend before God that you've got it all together. David sure didn't. That's why it calls, it's called Psalms of Lament for a reason. He was open and honest with God. And again, the difference is this. As long as you're not whining about something that isn't going your way, it's fine to be honest with God. As long as you have... You do this with a sense of humility and not with a sense of entitlement. God, you promised this. Now you better bless me, Lord. You do this with humility. Express your emotion. Be honest with God. Affirm his power. See what he did there. God, you can do all things. I don't want this. He was honest with his emotion. And the third thing he did was surrender to his control. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And I really feel we need to vocalize that. We need to vocalize that prayer because we need to hear that being said. God, not my will, but I trust you. You created me. You know what's best for me. And I trust you through this pain. I trust you through this pain. I know you love me. I know you know what's best for me. I don't want this cup of suffering, but not my will, God. Yours be done. As soon as he finished praying that prayer, we know the soldiers came and arrested him. He's beaten, he's mocked, tortured, and of course, ultimately put in the ground. The pain. Jesus went through that pain. The next came the confusion. The confusion. Thursday and Friday night till he died were the days of pain and suffering. But after that comes the days of doubt and confusion for his disciples. I've often tried to imagine and put myself in the seat or in the shoes of these disciples. Imagine how the disciples felt when they saw the Messiah, the Son of God, crucified by the Romans. Crucified, he dies and then he's taken down and put in a tomb and the tomb is sealed and they have these guards posted out there. I can imagine what they're going through because they have no clue what just happened. They have no clue what just happened because honestly think... I think it's all the way when Jesus got down, he, they didn't understand what was happening when he got down on his hands and took his towel and started washing his feet. They had no clue what was happening back then. 
until Friday night, I can imagine their faces and their lives are just filled with shock that there's no way they can even process what's happening. And the picture in my mind, I can, I can only think about football again. I guess I miss football, but the Cowboys are up 13 points, two-minute warning. And just imagine if the other team scores twice in that two minutes and wins the game. If that cameraman had to go around that AT&T Stadium, guess what he'd see? Shock and surprise. They see people with their hands on their heads, they're sitting like that, not knowing what just hit them. And that's exactly what the disciples were going through right now. Because they knew he can get off that cross, he's probably going to get off that cross right now. We've seen him do the miracles, we've seen him heal the lepers, we've seen him heal the blind men. He can get off that cross right now, he's getting ready to do that right now. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And when he breathes his last, I can just imagine their faces of disbelief. What just happened? How many of us have gone through seasons like that? Something hit us so bad. We're like, what just happened, God? What just happened? How many of you lived through that time of confusion? You accepted this new job or you started this new business. You felt this is what God was telling you to do. You took up this new job. You left one, went to this new job. And all of a sudden, you lose your job or the company goes and this business goes bankrupt, whatever. And you're stuck with, what just hit me, God? Because that's exactly what they're going through. Let's be honest, we all go through those days of doubt. We all go through those days of confusion, all go through those days of disappointment. When we have no clue what's happening and why is this happening to me. It's kind of interesting because Jesus tells his disciples, he says, This very night you will fall away on account of me. You will fall away. Another, another translation says, you are going to, fall into, uh, you're going to fall to pieces because of what is going to happen to me. And he says, all of them will desert me. And scripture says, you know, because I'm going to strike the shepherd, the sheep are going to scatter. It's kind of interesting because if you go down to uh, 26, Matthew 26 verse 56, it says, and all the disciples did the same thing. They all deserted him and ran away. Every single one of them ran away. Can I ask you a real question right now? How many times have you allowed pain, disappointment, trials, doubt, heard, unanswered prayer? God, if you are real, do this. How many times have you allowed such things to drive you away from God rather to him? I love a book by Philip Yancey. It's called Disappointments with God. If you haven't read that, it's a great book. But how many times have we allowed something like this to drive us away from God rather than to Him? I was reading an interview of a pastor who had just lost his young son and actually the son had committed suicide and this pastor and his family is struggling and it's so unfortunate that some Christians, of course, were giving him a hard time. How can a pastor's son do that? You know, questioning what kind of dad he really was. Put his ministry in front of his kids. And they say some harsh things. And it was brutal. Anyway, in his interview, he was asked. And he says, if ever in his despair did he ever doubt whether God was real. 
I loved what he said. He says, I never doubted his existence. I never doubted his love for me. But I sure doubted his plan, his timing, and what he was doing. And as I was reading that interview, that's okay in your time of chaos and confusion. It's okay. Again, you look at David's life. He says, I have no clue what's happening, God. Where are you, God? It's okay to have this question, but here's the truth. We cannot stay in our day of confusion. We've got to go through that day of confusion. We've got to get through, pass through that time of confusion. And how do we do that? One real advice, the one real thing we can do is in our day of confusion and chaos and doubt, all we can do is remember the promises of God. That is how we're going to make it through our day of pain and our day of confusion. Remember the promises of God. One preacher said this, never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. Never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. Because the devil will bring doubt into your life because it's dark and you have no clue where to take your next step. And he's going to make you doubt everything that God has shown you in the light. When you are going through those dark days, when you have no idea, like I said, what step to take, which direction to turn to, everything around you has turned to ashes, all that you worked for has just blown up in your face, all the great plans that you had and you thought God was directing you have just basically been flushed down the toilet. What you got to do to make it through is remember His promises. Remember his promises. That's how we make it through our days of confusion and doubt. Remember his promises. John 16 verse 9. I'm going to read from a different version. And right before he was crucified, he gave his disciples this huge promise to hang on in the dark days of, you know, in those days of confusion. John 16, he says, Jesus said, here's what's going to happen. And he's telling them, about what was going to happen about his arrest and everything else. Soon I'll be gone and you'll be without me. And after a while, but after a while, you'll see me again. He predicts his death, but he also predicts his resurrection. He knows what's going to happen. You will see me again. And then he says, you will weep and you will mourn and you will grieve. But your grief will eventually turn into joy. And he gives the example of a woman in labor. She said, after the child is finally born, her anguish turns to joy. Joy wipes away the tears, drives away fear. Joy drives away fear and sees us through those days of confusion. What he was basically saying is, hey, y'all are going to run away and put this all together. You're going to run away as soon as something happens to me today. You all are going to desert me. You all are going to be gone. But I'm going to come back and that's going to be the real game changer because now you're going from fearful people to fearless people. That's what's going to happen. You need to stand on the promises of God in your moment, in those days, those dark valleys, in those dark days, in those days of doubt, in those times of confusion. Stand on God's promises. Stand on his promises. There are over, I think, over 7,000 or 8,000, I forget, promises of God in his word. 
okay, I can't keep, you can't keep, I can, I can keep mailing you checks, but you can just leave it out there on the kitchen counter and never put it into your bank. There's no use of it. God can keep giving us promises and give us promises, give us promises. But if you don't open his word and really look at what the promise says, we're not going to make it through the day of confusion and the day of doubt. The promises of God are yes and amen. Yes and amen. It's like an insurance policy. If you get injured, but you know your insurance is going to cover it, you don't worry about it anymore. I'll tell you the truth. And I don't, again, I'm not saying this in any condemnation or anything of that sort. When we begin to worry, we're really struggling to stand on God's promises. Worry, anxiety, stress, and I'm telling this even to myself. When we get overwhelmed with anxiety and stress, we are not standing on God's word. Now, I'm not preaching condemnation because all you have to do is stand on God's word. Stand on God's word. I just want to share two, two promises that I think are good for us here. Because the truth is this. God's, anybody can turn something good into something good. God turns something bad into something good. That's what God specializes in. That's what his promises are for. Turn the darkness into light. Turn a crucifixion into a resurrection. Turn death into life. That's what God is all about. That's what his promises are all about. Two promises I want to share with you. Isaiah 61, it says, To all who mourn in Zion, I will give you beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. Joy instead of mourning. Praise instead of despair. Now, I don't know what you are going through, but that's a promise for you to hold on to. Beauty for ashes. Joy instead of mourning. Praise Instead of despair. And the other one that I always love. Isaiah 43. When you go through the deep waters and great trouble. I will be with you. I will be with you. Another translation says. When you go through these valleys of difficulty. You will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression. You will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord. Your God. And your Savior. We need a savior. If we could make it on our own, we would not need a savior. If we could save ourselves, the point of Jesus coming, up, coming down is just pointless really. We need a savior in our darkest hour. We need someone more than just us in that day of confusion to make it through the time of confusion. It's kind of amazing, like I said. When they saw the resurrected Christ, these fearful people became fearless people. Became fearless. And why? Because it's simple for them. We're not worried about what you can do to us. You can kill us, but we're going to rise up again like Jesus did. That's all it was. They knew the promise. They saw the evidence. And now they're standing by his word. Amen. Have you experienced Christ enough? That you read his word, but now you have experienced him firsthand. Now you're strong enough to stand on his promise. Say, come what may, he's got it in his hands. Amen. Make it through your day of doubt and confusion. You have got to stand on God's word. And those 11 people, I mean, it's just amazing. Those 11 people, they were, 
in an upper room trying, you know, trying to figure out. And I can picture them talking about, they're all together here. They're all scared, of course, because they did that to Jesus. They're going to do the same thing to us. And they're sitting there, and I'm sure they're thinking about, okay, now what, guys? And then Jesus shows up. He's like, now what, guys? Okay, okay, was it a fake? And like, no, it can't be a fake. And you can see the confusion. You can see the doubt. But Jesus shows up, and that's the game changer right there. He brings joy. That's what Sunday, Easter, and Easter Monday, and every day after that was. To make it through pain, to make it through confusion, make it into what we call the joy of the Lord. Please listen to me. You cannot do it on your own. To make it to the day of joy, you have got to rely on the power of God. You have got to rely on the power of God. Self-help, self-effort can only get you this far. It's the power of the resurrected Christ that will see you through it all. That is the joy that is promised. Not our power, but in the power of the resurrected Savior. Resurrected Savior. He brings us joy. He brings us joy. You can try and people have tried to make themselves, you know, bring joy and seek happiness and everything else. But there is one thing that really does. For the disciples back then, it was the power of God working through Jesus Christ as he rose from the dead that brought them joy. Do we rely on that same power? I am the resurrection and the life life abundant life whoever believes in me even though they die will live again will live again that is our hope that is the source of our joy the resurrection power of Jesus Christ the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and I as a I have prayed this prayer on every single person in this church several times. It's a prayer that Paul makes to the church in Ephesus. He says, you know, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to those who believe him. It is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and that power lives in you. I have prayed that prayer for every single person in that church, in this church here. That we, me included, will begin. I don't think we'll ever totally comprehend everything. But just begin to understand the incredible power that raised Jesus from the dead. And live with that same power because that power lives in each one of us. That's the power. That's the source of our joy. The resurrection power. Of Jesus Christ. Experience that power. Experience that power. In your lives today. If you confess with your mouth. And believe in your heart. What? That God. Raised him. From the dead. You will be saved. Let me just say. If you believe in that power. That raised Jesus from the dead. You will make it through your days of pain. You will make it through the days of confusion, doubt, disappointment. And you will see 
the days of joy. Bow your heads with me this morning. I just want to give you a few moments. To reflect on on what happened to Jesus Thursday evening from Gethsemane all the way through Sunday and Monday morning. Jesus found friends in this time of distress. He said to them, hey, just come hang out with me, basically. I need you because I'm hurting real bad. He didn't pretend to have it all together. He didn't pretend to, I can do this all on my own. We were never, let me say this and say this again. We were never meant to live life alone, whether be it in the good times or especially in the bad times. We are commanded to carry one another's burdens. You carry my burden, I will be there to carry and help you through yours. I know friends are great, but even Jesus' friends slept. They were tired. And I as a pastor may not be able to make it all the time. But there is a God who will never, never leave you. Just come to God. I pray God gives you and directs you to people in your life. Who will walk with you. Sit with you. Through the struggle, through the pain. Not always be there to preach and pray and, you know, your prayer is good, but not just preach and lecture you on something. But you need to come to God too. And be honest with Him. Affirm His power. It's just such a great model right there. God, I know you can do all things. Affirm His power. Express your real emotion right there. God, I don't want this pain. I have no clue why this is happening. I don't want this pain. But then also, submit to His, surrender to His control. You, God, your will more than mine. I don't know about you, church, but I, I don't want pain. I don't want suffering. I try to run away. I do. But I'm learning more and more to rely on God and His will for my life. I'm learning to surrender and trust in Him and His plan. Because His plan for me is an amazing, perfect plan. I don't know if you're going through those days of pain right now. Come talk to me if you need to. Now, if you're going through a time of doubt and disappointment, confusion, and you have no clue what just hit you, 
you have no clue what just happened or why it happened let me encourage you today remember his promise remember his promise that when he begins a work in you in the life in your life in your family's life in your business in your work wherever it is every aspect that is related to your life everything that touches your life he is in control and when he begins something he is faithful to bring it to completion stand on his promises even when they don't make sense stand on his promises even when the situation just feels so unfair stand on your promises when you feel let down even by the church even by the pastor even the elders even by God himself sometimes i know we feel god let us down sometimes but i encourage you fight your way through that to stand on his promise that he will never leave you never forsake you he will never leave you never forsake you he gives you beauty for ashes beautiful ashes joy instead of mourning and praise instead of despair and as you walk into the season of joy even in your good times just rely on his power rely on his power through the pain through the confusion and even in the moments of joy rely on his power because that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you lives in you i want to challenge you this morning as we stand to our feet put your faith put your trust in him through the pain through the doubt through the confusion or even in the moments of joy trust in him trust in him Christ alone the cornerstone weak made strong weak made strong if you need a word today here it is in your weakness his strength is going to be made perfect all you got to do is stand on that promise today when you feel like i can't do it on my own god that's exactly where he wants you to be because when you can't do it on your own he's going to come in let's worship god for